if I were to publish an article right now on LinkedIn, it would be like pissing in the wind. Like six people might see it and one would read it. If you're at all curious what it's like to start an ad agency at the worst possible time, this might be the podcast for you. That's because I started one last year and my God, it is hard. So what I'm doing is I'm talking to people who have found success in our industry and then applying what I learned to my own life and business. If it doesn't work, I'm screwed. Travis Lochner is my guest today, and he's an interesting guy. Interesting because he's got 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. That is about, let me just crunch some numbers here. That's about uh, 27,500 more than me. And uh, you know me, got to get those numbers up. Got to try to get that lead gen going. Maybe even uh, use it as an opportunity to become an influencer myself. Do I hate myself for saying what I'm saying? Yeah, quite a bit. But to the truth, I would love to have a bunch of followers that love me, you know, and comment on my stuff. (laughs) And maybe it would help drive business. Guys, I'm just keeping it real. It would be pretty awesome. And people say that, I am Gush. I am the brand because, you know, it's still starting out. And if my status increases, if my profile increases, then so will Gush's. So there's a good amount of things that we talk about, and I get a lot of great advice from him. But one of the main reasons I want to talk to him is because this guy is, you know, he understands how to play the game. And uh, I do, too. Before we hop in, as per usual, I'll give you guys a little gush update. Um, this one is uh, pretty discouraging. Unfortunately, it, it has been, I think, the last couple times. But at the same time, maybe there's a little silver lining that I was able to find. So here's the situation. My father and older brother, in fact, my entire family is in some sort of law or finance. I am, I don't know what's blacker than a black sheep, but I'm that. Uh, I'm the only creative one. I mean, my brothers, my family, they're all funny and fantastic and like I think could come up with creative ideas and be creative, but I'm not in finance. I've never made a model before. I don't know what private equity really is. I do kinda, but that's what my older brother does. And then my dad's just a business guy. Because they're nice people and because they love me, they uh, decided to take it upon themselves to create a financial model for Gush. I didn't ask for it, uh, but you know it seemed like I needed it. So they finished that up. They invested time. They gave me uh, what was a spreadsheet with a bunch of numbers and words. Uh, I didn't understand what it meant, but they gave me some feedback that I was fucked, that the math didn't work. You know, I was looking through stuff for about you know, 10 seconds because I was just so overwhelmed by the reality that they were facing me with and and saying that the math doesn't work. You know, there's terms like less, project churn, new projects add per month. That one I I get. (laughs) That one I get. Uh, I don't know. So cumulative conversion rate on initial contracts. That one I kind of get too. My point is, if, if you guys saw this, it's like, wow. You know, it's, it's overwhelming. And the numbers that I was being given, I kind of got them, but I didn't like the answer. And so I kind of tried to look at things myself and just go through the process myself. So they were looking at the business, I think, holistically, which is very fair. I've been at it for a year and a half. Right now, I just have one client. You know, people in the business world would uh, call that a bad, bad business. But 
if I think about Gush, I think it only really started in what I'll call Gush phase two um, a couple months ago. I was producing work, I was doing stuff, but I was very much experimenting with things, getting my website together, building up case studies, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, with the chalk company that I keep talking about, the fitness company, you know, it started out with a $9,000 contract and then it just increased from there. It, It increased by, you know, about four times. And I'll let you do the math. I was able to sell through, but I like to think of it less as sell through more just basically I think about what I would do. I genuinely do what I would do if this was my company. And it's like, you guys need strategy. If you want to appeal to new markets, you need strategy. You guys need a social media manager. We need uh, another campaign with more hard hitting assets. And so we were able to expand the scope from there. And and now we have a, a project that's making a certain amount of money that isn't much. And like, you know, if we were probably a more established agency, we'd be able to get more normally compensated, but it's enough to put us in a position where the copywriters that I have working on it, the PM, the strategist, our COO costs are able to be compensated if I move back home and make $2,000 a month. Now I don't want to move back home. It's embarrassing. I don't want to admit it on this podcast. I don't want to tell it to you. I don't know if you're judging me right now, but holy crap, you know, that would be, there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody's doing it during COVID. Honestly, it would be super nice. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to be able to make enough money to continue to stay on my own. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, We'll see what happens. But the point is, we'd be making 6K at the end of the year with our expenses. So we're actually making a profit. Not a big one, but we're not losing money. And based on the financial model that I'm seeing, it's like you are losing money. So there's some sort of differentiation between how I was seeing stuff and how they were seeing stuff. I think we got on the same page. Net, net, I really just you know have to see if I get new business in addition to the current client that we have, and that would put me in a position to better assess if I can continue this business because I need to support myself. And currently, with how much we're delivering at the price we're delivering it at, it's not possible and people aren't being paid normal rates and we're all contractors who have full-time jobs except for me and that makes everything really difficult and it's like uh gosh you know it's like gotta bring people on full-time it's a lot the only reason i'm saying this is because i had to give you an update hopefully i didn't get too in the weeds about it but i promise you know stuff will get even more exciting from here if you haven't been excited totally get it travis lochner is is a man not to miss he's got an eloquent voice he's got great advice so i hope you dig it i sure did travis lochner so one of the things with you is that you know you do strategic consulting you know, for, for companies, do you ever do it, uh, with like an ad agency or do you mostly consult on advertising and marketing for businesses themselves? Businesses themselves. Got it. But you yourself have what is essentially an advertising agency. Like your capabilities are pretty full service. Yeah. We, we, the one liner we throw on it is integrated marketing yes, and just general, uh, business growth consulting. So we kind of have like a one, two, one-two punch of like, if you just need a playbook and a conversation, we'll set you up and send you that way. But if you need the services and everything done in that playbook, we also have the infrastructure to move 
one step forward. Weird question, but have you applied what you're you're uh, recommending for other agencies to market yourself? Uh, we try to as often as possible, but that's actually a big void that we currently have. We just call it the the self care category. We do really well of taking care of clients, making sure they're always top of the list. Uh, and then we're like, shit, we kind of should be writing content for our own site instead of like everybody else's. Um, so I would say ideally, yes. Um, my business partner is, we we have a pretty open, uh, open feedback every time we check in. So we're kind of always tapping into that high level strategy for our own agency to make sure it's on track, but that is definitely a void that could be significantly improved. I mean, it's it's true for it's true for everybody. It's hard to prioritize yourself when you have a paying client and and, and stuff like that. So I, I I totally get it. What one of the things I also want to ask is, you know, I'm I'm not as far along as you, obviously. And so during your journey of like getting this to you know a successful place, how did you go about getting your first clients? Did you already have them when you're like, I'm going to start an agency? What was your process there? What was your pipeline? There was a transition phase, um, essentially. So my first business was in the cannabis space. So um, I had an e-commerce and media site that I had built from startup to acquisition. And after the acquisition, I took on a role as an executive advisor. It was kind of part of the the deal was to kind of stay in the loop a little bit. So that was where I discovered more of the consulting, the strategy, more of the high level, um, big picture stuff that you don't really get to see when you're in like solopreneur mode. (laughs) Um, So that was a good transition to start kind of getting zoomed out. And then from there, I had a natural attrition of like referrals um, that kind of kicked in from the prior network. Um, so started working with some CBD and more like enterprise level cannabis companies. From there, just kind of uh, kept riding the, the referral train. Referrals are are the game changer for when you're in sweat equity mode. <laughs> oh, 100%. All right. This may be getting to uh, to the core pretty quickly and you don't have to answer it, but what's the biggest fuck up that you made along the way to finding success? As I started producing back in the the MySpace era, uh, I essentially had built an audience that was sort of the first wave of being an influencer, kind of the MySpace famous era of really artists and creators finding themselves online. And I was just lucky to be experimenting. And my first wave, I didn't realize like how much of an opportunity of having thousands and thousands of followers active on their following asking like, Hey, what are you going to release? Where are you going to go? And I had this really, uh, sort of egotistical, naive approach that it was just always going to be there. I never thought of anything like an email list, never thought of building a website. Didn't, I didn't switch to Facebook when everybody was switching over to Facebook. And there was just these compounding decisions of, Everything I wanted, I wanted to make it as an artist. And I had the audience. I had the momentum. Years later, in hindsight, I realized I could have taken that snowball. And I'm, I'm always curious how far that momentum could have gone. But uh, I would say I made a massive, massive mistake building an audience on rented land. So a social media channel, as beautiful as it is, all those followers you have, they don't belong to you. Um, so that was by far one of the biggest mistakes that I've 
made sure moving forward, I avoid with all of my own brands and any companies or clients that I am working with, never build your empire on rented land. That's an interesting point that I haven't heard before. Um, this is kind of kind of related to rented land, but I still think, you know, it's I, I just love it. The social media platform, uh, some people refer to it as LinkedIn. That's such a dumb joke. I don't even know why you went for that. <laughs> what the hell is that? Um, LinkedIn, you have a substantial following. You have 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. That's like that's like influencer status. So what how did you do that? So there's two, uh, this ha- kind of happened in two waves because I was disconnected and active for a long ass time prior to this year. <laughs> um, so I had my first wave of just utilizing LinkedIn, making my profile, everything back uh, attached to that company I mentioned earlier uh, in the cannabis space. So I figured obviously being connected, need to build B2B relationships, need to make an account. So I started in the sort of experimental networking, very old school, just connecting with people I could assume I'd have a, a, a valuable business relationship out of. Then from there, this was back when the articles on LinkedIn actually were worth a shit and people actually saw them. They actually had reach. So I started writing articles on LinkedIn just as a sort of testing the waters a little bit of, I was always interested in journalism. That was where I discovered kind of the thought leader or influencer category of if you have ideas to share, if you can simplify them and present them in a clear or clever way, a lot of people are willing to follow and kind of roll with that. So the 2020 turnaround, like every year I kind of have this like, all right, New Year's coming, let's do this. And I was just so sick of Gary V yelling at me saying, you got to be on LinkedIn. You got to tap into that organic reach like over and over. So again, finally kind of experimented with it again. And this year was when it took off. Okay. So you really, you really were able to build it in the first round, build that foundation within the CBD space. And it sounds like the best way you did it is with articles. And then you were able to continue to grow it in the second wave. How did you do that? It's all, yeah, it's all timing, experimentation. Um, Nothing I do is ever set in stone. Everything's always adapting and evolving. So as we alluded to earlier, if I were to publish an article right now on LinkedIn, it would be like pissing in the wind. Like six people might see it and one would read it. The algorithm is always shifting. The feed is always shifting. And that's what you need to be in tune with. What I started doing this year was uh, just did a whole month of external engagement and just like getting really in tune with the community. So just had my ear to the ground, was commenting, liking, engaging, seeing who's doing well, uh, who's not doing well, et cetera, and just kind of absorbing. So after that, I decided to start experimenting with content again. So I started doing the bro tree text posts. Uh, what? Oh, you gotta, you gotta say what that, what that is. What is that? Oh Lord. So bro tree is this bizarre niche of content on LinkedIn of one or two sentences at a time, you just have this really long inspirational post of like, you can build a business with from anything. Failures are only feedback. So I, I tested like a lot of that text-based stuff. It, it gets okay engagement, but it doesn't really connect uh, in the way I'd like, I feel like content and media should connect with someone. So continued the experimentation through 
all the media platforms that they have. My favorite that I discovered were these PDF sliders, these documents that really just let you basically navigate through a complete PDF. That was the sweet spot that really uh, changed the game for me this year. For some reason, those have really good organic reach right now. And for me as an individual, it fits my communication style. So a place like that caters really well to me versus doing the sort of selfie style, like camera in the corner of the room where you just go, it's just you and a camera in the corner. And you're like looking at this empty lens of hell. Like there's other people that are really great at that. Um, And that's what they do for their strategy. But for me, uh, that was not really my style, but the PDF sliders were the, the biggest game changer for me. I just doubled down on committing to those and had a whole like month or two straight of just trying to post them like every single day. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what were things that you tried that like failed, that g- gloriously were not good? Or were you doing pretty well from the get-go? So if you post anything without focusing on external engagement first, it's, it's going to fail, I promise you. Even if you are a top-level podcaster, semi-celebrity, the way these algorithms have really focused on curated content and curated engagement, if you're not committing to that external engagement, nothing is going to happen. Just don't, do not be selfish on social media because it's not, not going to pay off uh, in any way. <laughs> when you say external engagement, do you mean asking a question, saying stuff that's, you know, addressing the audience? What, what does that mean? The way I think of social media, you have your posting, your external, like your, your outward posting to others. And then the engagement I'm talking about here is jumping into other people's parties. So instead of hosting your own little party and hoping everybody comes and comments and likes your post, the goal is to hang out in the feed or in other people's posts for a couple days, a couple weeks, and always be liking, dropping insightful comments. Honestly, the simplest formula is just be be the best commenter you can. That's really the external engagement um, I'm referencing is just be involved in other people's content and other people's community. Um, But the one way post like right out the gates, a lot of people just come on LinkedIn thinking they're going to fire up a good post and then they drop it and it just does nothing. So uh, I've done so many of those. I, I, I think it's well worth investing in that engagement prior to your own content. Okay. So are you saying that the algorithm looks at, okay, this is a, you know, not just a taker, they're a giver. They're like supporting other people. I am certain that there, that is happening. And almost every time, one of the biggest triggers that has been conditioning me is when I'm going through the feed, anytime I comment on somebody's post a couple times or once or twice, when I refresh and go back into their feed or they refresh theirs, mine is on the top of their feed. So there's something in there that's relating affinity is kind of the the metric of these people are talking to each other a lot. They must hang out. They must be friends because all of these algorithms are switching to, they want to show your content to more relevant people. They don't want to just show it to more people in general. They want to show it to more 
relevant people. So if you're constantly interacting and engaging, that sends strong signals that these two people must be really good homies or something. (laughs) Um, But without a doubt from everybody I've seen, uh, that's by far the number one metric that kind of changes the game. Interesting. Okay. So between that and you posting these PDFs and stuff like that, you've seen your engagement increase and and that's really helped you. When it comes to these PDFs, can you talk a little bit about what those are and how you came across that idea? Was it trial and error? Yeah, it definitely was trial and error. Um, So just to set the context for these, um, you might know them as carousel posts um, on Instagram. It's just basically five images that you go through on LinkedIn. It's five or, I mean, it could be any number of pages, but yeah, I really just started testing the water and didn't know what, what to write about. And I thought all of the, all of the stuff that I I wanted to write about already existed in better forms. So what I really was able to do is tap into this double dip of personality plus relevant insights and useful tips. So everything I use is a, has a little piece of personality extracted to it. So I remember the first one I did was for hockey. I grew up playing hockey for 20 years. It was my life like forever, forever until I was out of college. And that was a huge piece of my life. So obviously I just had a ton of what I called hidden lessons that I've learned from hockey, but applied to business. And once that formula kind of kicked in, I just started doing that. I learned from World of Warcraft and applied it to business and learned from music production and applied to business. And for some reason, uh, that just really hits a nice sweet spot of kind of sharing a little bit of your story every time. And the business tips are obviously useful for the client audience and everybody that I'm serving on LinkedIn. So that's uh, the, the the nice double dip I stumbled into that I'm really grateful for because it's a simple formula <laughs> and I can just rinse and repeat um, with so many things. Uh, and yeah, that was pretty much it. <laughs> it was trial and error for sure. That's everything everything I've learned um, in life and music and business is all been trial and error, my man. <laughs> yeah. I like to say suck until you don't, you know? So hashtags, adding people, do you like to do that stuff? Oh man, this is all, yeah, this is all the messy crap. Uh, I'm con- I don't think hashtags do much anymore as far as this is just LinkedIn specific. Uh, I know obviously on other platforms, they're vital and essential Connections, yes. I think being very mindful of your connections is a huge piece. As we were just alluding to earlier with the the almighty algorithm, um, (laughs) the algorithm is going to be continuously looking at your first level connections or first degree connections for your feed first, obviously. Feeding into that idea of they want to show you content of people you know. So I have recently kind of, yeah, adopted the mentality that I assume people should be very curated about your network and who you interact with rather than just opening the floodgates. And then you've got 300 accounts from Bangladesh and 400 from Russia that are all commenting on your posts and sure it looks cool, but maybe that's not going to be anybody remotely close to your target audience. So uh, I do connect with anybody that would be within our buyer personas 
And I also connect with any potential competitors because anything that they do sort of in your feed and in your network feeds and displays into their network as well. So that's another little, little thing I do do, but it's really just being mindful of who you're connecting with. And that's going to start that affinity that we were mentioning earlier of who exactly starts coming into the co- the comments and who shows up all the time is going to be dramatically different depending on who you accept or don't accept. I know that's not always the most popular approach. Other people say just open connect with with everybody, but I've I've seen lots of negative results if if that's the route you go. Yeah, I've I've heard the I've heard the same thing. There's some there's something about the algorithm that, that like I heard it on another podcast and it was like somebody that worked at LinkedIn and I was like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll take that. Um what one of the ways I like to end, basically the only way I like to end. Ah, I don't know. Does it matter? I don't know why I'm, I'm getting into the specifics of this, but um, what's one thing I didn't ask you or what's one nugget of advice that you would give, LinkedIn related or not? I think, especially now with this COVID, this COVID situation, talking about being aligned with your mission or with your bigger purpose, uh, this starts to get more woo-woo, not really, I guess, technical LinkedIn hacks or details, but it's just something that my gratitude has really been amplified this year because of COVID, um, thanks to COVID, whatever perspective you want to have, but... I'm really grateful to have been able to use that time to really recalibrate myself on a more meaningful mission to really serve athletes, artists, and creative executives, and these people that really just need a platform for their voice or their creative energy. And I'm not sure I would have ever reached that moment without the chance to breathe. I was so busy for so many years with the agency work that I was super grateful to have a moment of pause, I call my my COVID clarity, to kind of just take a breath and really get back on track. Because since then, I've been so fucking fired up like to take over the world. And that would be the best, best message I could ever uh, forward on to anybody and everyone else out there is do what you can to take the time and recalibrate with your calling. Oh, yeah particularly people in like advertising entrepreneurs and stuff like that. I I'm, I'm so in the, in the trees. I can't see the forest, Travis. I can't, I'm forest blind. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I mean, you gave me more of it than we agreed to. So Sorry about that. No worries at all. This was uh, this was an honor. Uh, glad we were <laughs> able to connect. And uh, yeah, I'll see you out in the LinkedIn world. <laughs> yeah, you'll see me uh, doing all my PDFs and uh, hacks and stuff. Yeah, all right, buddy. <laughs> Catch you later, right. dude. Thank you so much. Take care, Tim. Well, I guess I got some work to do. I got to start commenting and engaging and liking. I think I was already doing that naturally, but definitely not enough. Maybe I'll throw one of those PDF slider uh, posts out there. See what you guys think. You know, it's really not about getting followers. It's about providing value, but it's also about getting followers. Let's just be real, guys. We're all trying to establish ourselves on this platform, use it to try and get new business opportunities, become an influencer, maybe speaking engagements. You know what I'm talking about. A LinkedIn influencer, that would be like my dream come true. Again, a little embarrassed to admit that, but whatever. Before we sign off, let's just give Travis Lochner a round of applause. Not condescending, even though it might have sounded that way. The guy definitely knows his shit, is really doing a bunch of stuff right, and is very much a part of that mindset of 
fail until you get good. The guy was trying tons of different things at every step of his career. And, uh, you know, when it came to really figuring out LinkedIn, that was no different. So definitely want to thank him. Want to thank you guys. Want to thank uh, the listeners out there. Really do appreciate it. Keep listening. Tell your friends about it. Tell your wives, your moms, your dads. Don't tell your brothers, uh, but you can tell your kids. And I will uh, I'll see you guys next time. Stay tuned.